am so grateful to be back at Mac. Uh, it is, uh, first of all, I got mad respect for my dear friend, uh, Pastor Leon and Sister Rebecca, First Lady Rebecca, and, and uh, just for what Mac does um, as a church and in this community. I've even got some friends in this community that have been richly blessed by, uh, by Mac. And so just the, just the way you all do life and the way you all uh, engage the world in Jesus' name is an encouragement to an outsider. So it's a real, uh, a real blessing to, uh, to witness what the Lord does through you all. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to invite it to share in Advent with you and in the Word of God as well as with everybody online. My name is Ken Keene, if I didn't introduce myself, and um, uh, wife of Rachel. Uh, so uh, coming up on my <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Correct. Uh, so you knew what I meant, though. <laughs> you know, I was keeping you on your toes. And uh, husband of Rachel, uh, father of uh, four. And uh, so uh, my three sons and my one daughter. So uh, just great to be here today uh, with you. You know, we're going to be in uh, Luke, the uh, first chapter. And we're going to be reading. We won't read the entirety. Although I was I meant to ask you this, Pastor Leon, but I don't think I will read the entirety of 26 through 56. But we'll read some key portions here. First, we're going to read 26 through 38. And I'm reading from the ESV. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So key. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favorite one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Great question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore... The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, uh, now right here, Mary would have said, you mean old Elizabeth, old cousin Elizabeth? But anyway, uh, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. But nothing will be impossible with God. We should repeat that real quick. Nothing but nothing will be impossible with God. With God. 
Amen. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Or the old King James used to say, I'm the Lord's handmaiden. And the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We'll, we'll look at a couple other uh, parts of the text as we go on, but uh, what a, I mean, this is ground zero right here, right? <laughs> For the Advent season. So today I want to talk about uh, Mary, the mother of Advent faith. Mary, the mother of Advent faith. You know, we won't dwell on the fact too much that uh, obviously Mary is, uh, uh, takes on different significances and, uh, you know, different uh, traditions. There's the, the side that uh, esteems her in almost a supernatural way. Uh, we're uh, not on that side. I mean, yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not on that side. Uh, we're, we're on the side that would esteem her as a mother of faith, as one who has believed. And so, but she is important to be focused on. And I think it's fair to call her, in a certain way, the mother of Advent faith. Amen? So, uh, but uh, we'll talk about how is she? How does she model Advent faith? This time of believing and anticipating and hoping. Uh, how does she model this? But uh, before I do that, you know, I was, <laughs> okay, Chronicle of Narnia geekery moment. All right, so at first, some of you may be like, what? All right, so wh what is the Chronicle of Narnia anyway? So uh, by C.S. Lewis, seven books. It's probably children's books, but you all should read them to a man and to a woman. All right, so uh, I'm not going to hold that over your conscience. That's a, I, sh I won't bind your conscience to the reading of this book. But I would encourage you. <laughs> to read the Narnia books. I've read them with uh, my youngest son. For some reason, he's being slow. So we've only got to book five. But it's supposed to be a tradition with me and my kids that we read through all seven. We got to book five, and he stalled. It's not on me. All right, so, uh, but I love him. But, uh, and, and I can't pick which of these books is my favorite. But book four, are you with me? <laughs> Prince Caspian. Is great. So after, all right, so the, the great story kind of centers around when the four kids are taken to Narnia and they meet Aslan. Book four, Prince Caspian, is a thousand years later. They brought, they're brought back to Narnia a thousand years later, the four kids, Peter, Susan, Lucy, and Edmund. Everybody following? So a thousand years later, and uh, when, they, when they get back, the people start to meet them, some people are kind of like, that can't be them. The great princes of the great kings and, and queens of old, you're them? And then, but others was like, yeah, there were prophecies about this. There were prophecies that the kings and queens would come back. And there were others that were kind of like, yeah, but I mean, so one, one, uh, one uh, uh, elf named Trumpkin was like, you believe those old stories? Seriously? You know, that's kind of the tension in Advent. For us as, as, as Christians, it's kind of like, you believe those old stories? You vibing with that old stuff? I mean, come on. That's really old. 
More than a thousand years. A couple thousand. If you go back to the Old Testament prophets, 3,000. 3,500. <laughs> goes back a good bit. Do you believe those old stories? Hmm. That's a good question. And you know something? For those who, uh, well, that's what God is looking to do. Raise up people who tune back in, who believe those old stories, and for good reason. For good reason. Just because a story is old don't mean it's bad. Don't mean it's false. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so she's approached, Mary is, by the angel Gabriel. So Gabriel comes to her, and he begins to go through parts of the old story. Now, you know, you might not pick this up, but you, maybe you do. Maybe you do. When he begins to talk to her, what he says to her, y'all, is just baked with allusions and parts of the old story. It's just got a bit of this and a bit of that. And it's just flowing. You know, uh, uh, I'm a drummer. So sometimes, don't, 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 don't judge me, don't go, don't, people have ways of thinking of drummers. Where's my brother at? Don't they? All right, so yeah, so uh, uh, there's a way, there's a way people are. So, but, uh, uh, but you know, to be, to be a musician, lots of times they'll say, you gotta be able to pick up what the other musicians are putting down. Uh, Pastor Chris, you, you, you heard that? You got to be able to pick up what they're putting down. <laughs> so the head, uh, head musician might be like, give me a, hey, can you do a bossa, can you do a bossa nova beat? And you'd be like, of course. <laughs> and so uh, he'd be like, okay, well, let's hear it. And you'd be like, I got you, cuz. Say no more. And he, and so you start going uh 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 eights on the hi and he might go not bad speed it up or something like that you know so like but it's just like he's like checking he's checking he's like do you do you understand the language. Uh, do you know the stories? Hey, you ever heard Yarbrough Parker's? Sometimes people start asking you hard questions. You know, you ever heard? Uh, you know how they? You know how Miles did on? Uh, you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Tell, tell me more about that. All right, all right. Well, you went pretty far with me, but let's see how. So it's like this. 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 this Gabriel's like that musician. He's like asking you. Hey, you ever heard? Uh, so he's kind of like Mary. Yes. Yes. Sir. Yes. And so he's like, Mary, uh, 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 behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son. Huh. Yeah, I'm a virgin. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I heard that one. Yes, sir. A virgin bearing a, a son. I've heard that one. I've, yes, I did. I've, I've heard that one. Uh, uh, Isaiah, I've heard that one. Okay. All right. Oh, old story. Yeah, that song. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. I, I, Isaiah 9, uh, um, Psalm 2. Which one? Uh, uh, okay. All right, I got that. I've heard that one. Yeah. He will sit on the throne of his father David. My daughter, he's going to reign forever over the house of Jacob. And she's like, yeah, I heard that one. I like it. I've heard that one. You know, there's a narrative. God has been, you know, God has been telling, he's been weaving a story for a long, long time. It's a good story. It's the great story. You know, the reason why I like the Narnia stories, for example, is because, well, they're kind of a shadow of the great story. They, uh, they resemble it. Yeah. I'd even argue, y'all. Hey, everybody online, I don't want to forget about you. I still see you. All right, so I, I would even argue that, uh, it, and some scholars would argue this, that there's a kind of like a existential template to what makes a great story. Like, why do we like stories, number one? And why do stories tend to take, and that's a big argument, but why do they tend to take certain shapes? Evil not winning, good lasting, certain virtues being meaningful like courage and hope. Why does why do so many stories tend to take that shape? Well, as Christians, we believe because they are echoing in some sense the great narrative, the big story. You still believe in old stories? Mary's like, I just might. And we should too. This is what Advent season is all about. So a couple of components that Gabriel brings up to Mary. He brings up uh, that he will be the son of David. Oh, wow. I want to go to so many texts on that, but that is so, like, uh, super important. He will be the son of David. I'll just mention something from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 as kind of a summary. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. And God goes, very noble, son. But uh, that's not how this one's flying. Uh, <laughs> God kind of fusses at him. He said, bro, bro I, ain't, I, don't, I don't like no house. I've been wandering in the wilderness for, for decades. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of like outside, you know. I can't, don't tame me. I mean, like, I'm, I'm reading into it a little bit. But like, you know, look, I, okay, but I appreciate, appreciate what you're wanting to do. I love it. Boy, you got a heart. Your heart Dave, I like your heart. You're a man after my own heart. But you don't understand some things. So let's do this. David, you, you're kind of a violent man. And uh, I love you, but uh, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to build a house for you. 
That's really what is in my heart to do. That's really what my plan has been about. You've misread me just a little, but I, you, oof, me and you love it. You want to build a house for me, but you're misconceiving the actual uh, purpose of things. I'm actually going to build a house for you. And he tells him, I will raise up, uh, uh, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your father, fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a, he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Yep, David, you're going to have a son. He will build a house for me, not, not you. You got some wonderful ideas. I'm going to build a house for, I'm going to, I'm going to build a house for you through one of your sons who will build a house for me. So, you know, that drama goes on. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, David's sons, mo I hate to say it, but most of them were kind of like knuckleheads, all right? Uh, join, the knuckle join the club, all right? So uh, what it calls being a sinner. But some of them were just terrible. He had a few bright spots, a Josiah, Hezekiah. Eh, Solomon had a good start, kind of like a bad finish, you know. Uh, but other than that, the rest of them, Yeesh, boy, you don't look like a son of David. Anticipation, hope. You're a son of David, but not exactly. But each failure, each son of David, even when they don't really fulfill that, David himself didn't totally fulfill it. But each time it builds, it builds, it builds a framework. And we get to Mary and Gabriel speaks to her and says, he will be a son of David, the son of David. And she goes, right. I've heard that. I've heard that. You know, just a little side point, saints. Uh, this means that uh, to be a Mary, to be the mother of Advent faith, and for us to join in Advent faith, it requires constant knowing and further familiarity with the text of the biblical narrative. You know, I, I think knowing scripture kind of goes in stages, you know? By the way, I, 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 I don't speak as a perfect one, all right? So uh, I, I grew up in church, some of y'all never did. I grew up in church. I don't know if I ever read my Bible. My dad was a pastor until I was at least in my early 20s. So somehow I managed to be in church and never read. I would hear it. You know, but as far as like sitting down. And blah, blah, blah. The Lord began to touch my life. And one of the first things he did was, uh, at least as I read my own experience, was to begin to really open up, uh, you know, my affection my uh, my desire to know the tr to know the truth as it's, as the text teaches it and to try to present it and 
So uh, maybe the Holy Spirit does that with his people. Maybe he does that. Uh, 1 Peter 2 says that I want you to be a people who crave, who earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word of God. But, you know, that kind of goes and stays. You know, first you, you just got to get to know the content. You know, just, just know it. I was reading one study. And Pastor Leon, you probably, this is an old study, but I think it was something like the amount, again, this is said with no condemnation. It's just a fact. But this is a study by about 15 years ago. It says something like, of those who are churchgoers, people who have read, of churchgoers now, those who, are, I guess, at least go once a month, something like that. People who have read the whole New Testament, it was something like in the teens. And then those who have read the whole Bible, it was something like, it was single digits for sure. And those were among people who go regularly. So just getting, the, just getting biblical content is really a major spiritual step. But then you know what? Once you get the content, you start to get the contours, yeah. right? You start to understand more of the shape of the biblical narrative. It's uh, not just, uh, yeah, 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 we, we're able to quote it, understand it, but you start to feed, uh, you know, you start to follow the, it's like larger themes, the big movements, the way, you know, what's it saying? All right. So one of the big things it's saying, it's, it's giving a promise. Promise. It's a big big idea God's promise and I think even young this encourages me for young people by the way all the young folk out there Mary was probably not that old she was probably a teenager and she had really she had really sunk into this and when the angel spoke to her she was able to say I understand at least in part I think I get what you amen the promise. So part of the promise was this uh, son of David promise. Whom a virgin shall conceive. Okay, hold on a second. Now we really get in deep. But you know what? She don't choke on it. <laughs> She's kind of like son of David. Woo, that's a big one. Whom a virgin shall conceive. Woo. But I've heard that. And she is somebody who is, I, I guess you could say, it sounds like she's somebody who has danced with the narrative. It's kind of, she hears its music. She loves it. She's a mother of Advent faith. By the way, that virgin birth thing, we're going to move on to our second point from promise, but that virgin birth thing really points to uh, one of the big explorations of especially, you know, the prophecies of the Old Testament and the New Testament, is this identity of the Son, the Son. Jesus asked a question one time, hey, Messiah, you can read this like in Mark 12, the Messiah, he was talking to the chief priest, um, whose son is he? And they were like, well, <laughs> son of David, of course. Correct. Hey, question for you, though. David said in one of the Psalms uh, that the Lord said to my Lord, uh, 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 
stay here until I cause, you know, whatever people to sit at you, uh, you to sit in my right hand and make the nations to sit under you know, your footstool, your feet, and everything else. Psalm 110, I'm not quoting it perfectly. And then Jesus said, now if, if, he's on, if the Messiah is only David's son, if the Messiah is only David's son, why does David call him his Lord? And he just leaves it there. And so everybody's kind of like, good question. Here's the point. Son of David, yes, but not son of David only. There's something even more profound than the son of David. That, yes, but come with me a little further, y'all. The son of David, we will also find out, is the very son of God. Amen? Uh, so then, uh, 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 and let, me, let me just say this too. The idea of a virgin conceiving, it really points to this. The narrative of scripture, we don't want to make this mistake. The promise of God is not something humanly achieved, but believed. It is never something that we are achieving. It is always something that we are receiving, believing. Sometimes we can flip the story and begin to think, and this can really breed some wrong turns for the people of God, but we can begin to think that we're bringing about the plan of God, that it's coming about through, like, you know, human strength in some way. We must bring the kingdom of God. That's been a nightmare in some different uh, uh, epochs of history. Lord have mercy. We must bring justice. Well, just be a little careful on that. A little careful on that one. There's a role we can play. But at the end of the day, Messiah himself brings justice. There's always that dance, that balance of understanding some of the nuances of what is God saying and how does he do it? And then how does he include us? Uh, that's kind of what, by the way, Elizabeth says. Uh, I didn't read verses 39 through 45. Uh, but, uh, oh, well, let me just say this. An angel finally said, nothing shall be impossible with who? with God. I'll borrow from one other passage. There's one other place where Jesus kind of tested this guy, this rich young ruler and said, just sell everything and then the guy just, his expression just falls and crumbles. He, he, like he's asking like, what, 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 what must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, okay, good question. All right. Just go, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. And the guy just can't. He just can't do it. And he walks away. His face falls. He walks away. But then the disciples are shaken. And they, they ask Jesus, because this guy was like an ideal. You ever had somebody walk, you know. Actually, well, anyway, you ever had somebody walk in church and you go like, okay. You know. <laughs> I remember I was part of my old churches. We were a very little, little church. Way smaller than this. Then we started to grow just a little bit. And then, you know, certain people started to First, it was all college students, mainly. You know, the pastor himself was like 28. And so, uh, and then after a while, 
you know, some married couples begin to come in. Uh, you know, some people with a degree here or there. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that we began to, all right, maybe we're kind of getting more established here, you know, as a, as, as a church. Not saying it's right to think that way. You, you shouldn't. But, uh, but uh, uh, nothing, so Jesus tells the guy, the disciples, when they say, who then can be saved? That guy seemed like the ideal person for, 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 for the movement. And Jesus says, don't think that way. You don't know what an ideal person. <laughs> don't worry about that. That's my business. And then he goes, uh, it, it, and he says, yeah, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, with man, it's impossible. But not with God. Not with God. But y'all, it's no small thing sometimes to turn off the possible with man faucet. You know, we had to turn the water off in here. Uh, it's no small, it takes the work of God, I believe. Pastor Leanne, I think, I, I believe part of the work of God is actually to turn off something. It's to turn off the human confidence faucet. To turn off the, the power of man faucet. And to lose all hope in that. And then to open up the work of God faucet Amen. in its fullness so that the work of God faucet flows undiluted among the people of God because it is so tempting to turn on the work of man faucet, to believe in the work of man faucet, but it's a poison. You don't want it mixing. Uh, so, all right. So the promise of God. And then... Uh, she goes to her cousin, like her old cousin, who, who, who's having a miraculous, miraculously having a baby. Uh, like it'd be like me, uh, but uh, I'm not a woman. But uh, but it, you know what I'm saying. So but uh, uh, so she comes to her older cousin, and she walks in and she greets her older cousin. Now we didn't read chapter one, but her older cousin was met by the same angel. Her older cousin in a way that is really very similar to somebody like a Sarah, Abraham's wife, an older woman who is barren. And Gabriel comes to her and says, no, 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 you're going to bear a child. Now, it will be through the natural meat. Well, you'll be through your husband and you. But you're going to bear a child even though you've been barren up to this point in your life and even though you're older in age. Very Sarah-like. And she believes. Now her husband, we're going to come back to him in a second. Not so, interestingly, not so much. But Mary comes in. Mary comes in and greets her. And the, oh, the baby leaps in her womb. Now here's something I want you to see in verse uh, 44. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This is something we don't want to miss. Sometimes we say that the baby leaped. Anybody ever heard this, read this before? I'm sure you had. Don't raise your hand. But uh, it, sometimes we assume that somehow the little baby 
just sensed Christ's presence. No, that's not what it says. It says when she heard, when I guess the baby, heard Mary's greeting. When she heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. You know, there's, I think, a certain way and a certain spirit by which people of the Advent faith speak and live. They speak by faith. 2 Corinthians uh, says this, since we have this, uh, chapter 4 says this, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise also us also with Jesus and so on and so forth. But the thing I just want you to see is, y'all, I think that when somebody has come to know God and is really, you know, and by the way, we're all sinners. There's, there's ebb and flow with this. We, there's so many occasions. This is why we have the sacraments, I mean, the ordinances. This is, this is why we gather time and time again. We, we, you know, so I get it. But I'm just saying that in generally with, with a, a believing person, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a disposition. There's a way of, of, it's called faith. They are persuaded. There's a way they're, they, uh, by who? By God himself. And when somebody has been persuaded by God himself, they're going to grow at everything and they'll be imperfect. But there's a, kind of, there's a new kind of divine energy at work. There's a way they see things. There's a way they engage the world. There's a way y'all engage the world. I can see it from, from in you all as a community. There's a way you speak about God. There's a way you think about him. You're persuaded. So Mary comes in the room and she says, she greets her cousin. And the greeting caused the baby to leap, to leap. Y'all, you know, I wonder if that's kind of a great picture of the believing heart. Someone who leaps, you know, hey, let's go to see the point. That's kind of how I used to act, you know, or, or my kids. Hey, let's go see uh, 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 Spider-Man. <laughs> so, no way home. There's certain things that make my kids leap. You know, my prayer for each of us, my prayer for each of us is that we would grow in being a people whose heart leaps at the gospel truth. Now, this is, just say this real quick, the contrary to this is Zechariah. Let me take you over to him real quick. No question about it, there are parallels. Every scholar feels, almost every, as far as I've read, feels there's a parallel between the stories of, uh, you know, Mary and the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. But let's look at Zechariah's uh, Response back in chapter 1 for a second when Gabriel approaches him. Look at chapter 1. Let's go to verse uh, 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right hand. This sounds a lot like what happened to Mary. Standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell on him. Sounds, you know, troubled. Same word for Mary. Uh, but the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, just like the mayor. Uh, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. I mean, that's real. He's been praying. He's a devout man. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and will rejoice in his birth and so on and so forth. Skip down to verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, well, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, this is really sim very similar to, it sounds similar to Mary's response, but you know, God knows the heart. And it must be something like this. Mary's heart of faith and Advent spirit leaped. Zacharias sank. I don't know, something like that. You know, Mary's like, oh, I've been, I've been waiting for things, looking for, hoping for, reading for things like, Zacharias like, hey, I've been reading things like this and I don't know, maybe there's like a little little cynic than infected my brothers. So the Bible says he was a devout man, but yet there was, this little, there was kind of a little cynic. How? Mary's like, how? Zechariah's like, how? <laughs> uh, she's persuaded. Zechariah, not yet. Now he's going to be, the angel going to help him out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he will get persuaded. But, uh, you know, in Zechariah, that's Elizabeth's husband. The one whom Mary greeted. And she, there was a difference between my husband and my cousin. And then lastly, Mary's song. Let me take a quick swig of water. Y'all hanging in out there? You okay out there? Verse 46. And Mary, so we got, the, we got the promise. She has believed the promised. This is the Advent spirit, number one, of the uh, son of David being born, but also the very son of God, of a virgin. And she's like, I feel you, angel. Gabe, I'm feeling you. Persuasion. Uh, uh, she has, uh, she leaps at the, 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 the gospel promise, the, the, the holy narrative. She, there's an anticipation that this is real and true. And then lastly, not only promise, not only persuasion, but she begins to give praise. She begins to give praise to God. Amen? Uh, uh, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul, what? magnifies the Lord real quick. That word magnifies is the same word group as in verse 32 when uh, it says he will be great. Uh, great megas uh, magnifies uh, megalune or something like that. But it's the same word group. It's the same family of words. Uh, Psalm, 40, Psalm 48 says, for the Lord is great. And greatly to be praised. Amen? Amen? And so she she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. 
It's a couple ways you can, I read the book one time where a guy said there's a couple ways you can magnify something. You can magnify it like a, a microscope or you can magnify it like a telescope. All right, what does a microscope do? A microscope takes something that is actually small, very small, and, and blows it up so you can see it. All right, that's some interesting thing. But you know what a telescope does? A telescope brings something that is massive, but is beyond my capacity to see. Takes something that's massive and brings it into view. And this fellow in the book said, uh, you know, the biblical magnifying is more like that. We're not making something small. God is not small. We're not making the glory of God. The glory of God is not small. So we're not making something small and, 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 and you know, faking it as bigness. No, no, no. We're, 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 there's something that is, is so, so transcendent. There's someone who is, uh, you know, so, and we're just, the, the, the biblical narrative brings it into view. Little by little. Uh, and so, uh, my soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And a couple last things, and then we'll get ready to conclude. But uh, uh, the reason why the people of God rejoice greatly, or should, is because God is doing his great work. He is doing his great work. Let me add this too real quick. And, you know, this is just real. The great work is always over against a world of suffering and a path of great, often great difficulty to follow and believe in the work of God that often seems to contradict it. And so this is why Zechariah is on the cynical side. Uh, I, I got this one uh, friend who wrote a book called uh, Some of the Faith Traps of the Overchurched. The Overchurched. Now, I'll, look, I'm not arguing with you. Know, so look, keep coming to church. But what he, what he, I guess what he was saying in the book is that there are sometimes people can kind of get to uh, a kind of boredom. That sometimes the, 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 the Spirit of God must help cure. Uh, when they've been in church for, for maybe a good long while. But God can do that. God can awaken the people of God. Amen? So uh, next thing is uh, praise for the great work of God deserves the great praise of the people of God. But we are never to be a people who thinks the opposite way again. If I can, we're never to be a people that thinks that our praise kind of like brings God's presence in a certain way, or our praise causes God's hand to move in a certain way. Sometimes it can be this thing where we think that praise is kind of like a, almost like a gimmick or a slot machine. You know, if I praise him, then he might, I don't know why praise looks like this for me. You know, it said bossa nova beat, all right? But uh, so uh, it's, it's not like that. No, no, no. Praise, the, the praise is the root for word for the idea of appraisal. Like, what's an appraisal? That's where you begin to grasp 
and uh, properly assess the value of something. So what are we doing when we pray? When we come to pray, it's because we're coming to know God. We're coming to see the, uh, the wisdom and the glory of his deeds and of who he is and what he's bringing to pass. And we give him praise. And it's not just in church. It is. But it's also as we walk our lives out. And you know what? It might happen. People might begin to feel your greeting in a different way. Like they did Mary's. The mother, our mother. The mother of Advent faith. Let me pray with you. So Father, we thank you for this awesome season because we are... uh, we're re-entering this, this hope and this expectation. When we get to Christmas, we'll celebrate the fulfillment of what you did do and fulfilling your word. But Lord God, we thank you for the model of Mary. Help us to have this Advent faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Lord, I pray your special blessing on Macav. Continue your uh, beautiful spirit upon this congregation. And we just pray continued grace. Bless uh, Pastor Leon and First Lady Rebecca and just uh, all the elders and all those who come here and labor here. And use them, we pray. And grant unto them a Mary-like greeting to this community. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.